The following podcast contains language that is not suitable for everybody. Welcome to issue 185 of Super Skull. It's your weekly new Comic Day Audio Digest for the week of March 21st, 2018. My name is Nick Weibar. I'm here with Marcus Schwimmer. You ever get a coffee where you ask for sugar and they don't put sugar in it? And I'm here with Curtis Sullivan. Sup, nerds. Sup. How y'all doing today? Did you guys drink your podcast juice today? Uh, I'm sipping it now. You drink the the juice that's given to everyone before any podcast that's ever been made. We all get. We all have this juice that we're supposed to drink beforehand. Mm-hmm. And did you guys drink yours today? Did Did you get ta- yours in the mail? It doesn't taste as good as last batch. We we can't give away the full recipe, but it's it's. I frankly I don't know what's in it. It's. Uh, I don't know what the deal is with it's it. It's an odd color. It's like a caramel green. I was gonna say it's sense. a it's a deep caramel green deep green. Yeah. I can't see it. I can't see it. Caramel green. Yeah, it's like a greenish brown, but not like baby vomit. Like an appetizing. Caramel green apple. Remember those suckers you used to get mm-hmm. green on the inside, but they had caramel on the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of if you put that in a blender. Right there, you go. And I don't know what it is, but it it, it enables us to do this every single week. It gives us that good, good juice. It gives us the charm, the expertise, the authority. It's weird because when on it the really li- mostly is the authority. On the label, the it says podcast juice. Yeah. But I peeled the label back. I was peeling back, and on, on the on the real label, the the first label, they put a sticker over it. It just says bullshit. So oh. I don't know if that's what mm. it actually gives us the ability to do. So, but I thought that Chris Hardwick told us not to mess with the label. I think he said specific. <laughs> I think he told me specifically, like, oh, really? don't fucking touch the label. Probably should have passed that info on. I thought I did. Yeah, Podcast King comes down and says, don't pull the label. I thought now I I'm fucked because no, you didn't tell me. Yeah, and then like, because Griffin McElroy delivers it to us <laughs> yeah. every single week. Yep. And he doesn't say anything about it. He just No, like, he just drops the case. He just like leaves it mm-hmm. there. And yeah. he won't even say anything to us, which is kind of a bummer. Right. You know, hey, how you doing? Nothing, just stone-faced. I'm half convinced he's a robot. Yeah. And then like, Usually, like, I will get on a Skype session with Ira Glass. You think I remember because I do this every week. He has to see you drink it. Like, you can't, it's not like a word, you know, Griffin take, brings it to you, and then you Skype with Ira Glass, and then he watches you, and then you have to, like, show him your tongue to make sure that, like, sure. You see that you're not, like, you know, you, you didn't obscure any of the liquid. Yeah. And then you can go record. But sometimes Chris Hardwick will be like, give me some little tips about podcast juice. Yeah, one time I drank too much, I got drunk, and I needed to hydrate, so I had a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Most solid poop I've ever taken in my whole life. Yeah. It wow. was just like a brick. Just You you heard it, you know, when it went in. Well, we don't want to talk too much about this, you guys, because there are rules. You know, it's like the Magician's Guild, but for podcasters. So we got to, mm-hmm. you know, we can, we be- vague, but. No, it's, it's really true. Um, this actually might be, Zoe Chase actually will <laughs> fuck you up. She will find you and uh, she will fuck you up for talking about podcasts. Girl's good with a crowbar. She's, Shockingly she's good. She's good with a crowbar. It's never happened yeah. to me, but I've seen it yeah. with other local podcasters. Yeah. Feel, yeah, man. She's a she's a monster. But hopefully, if you but if you ever see Zoe Chase coming, it's already too late. So that's <laughs> that's the ah, thing. dead. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you guys want to do some in the news? I'd love to. Mark. 
Marcus, you got some some news that you found out from somewhere. I have so much news. I'm a cornucopia of news today, I would say. Bring it. Uh, so, interesting, uh, Marvel has signed an exclusivity contract with Spider-Man writer Chip Sadarsky. Spectacular Spider-Man writer mm. Chip Sadarsky. What else has Chip Sadarsky written, gentlemen? Well, he worked on... He did the art for sex criminals. Uh-huh. He still wrote, does. Still does. Yes. He wrote a nice little Howard the Duck run, where we were just talking about a Ooh, moment ago. so good. He's currently also writing Marvel 2-in-1, which is a the thing Johnny Storm book. Which Maybe, has been amazing. Been very good. Maybe they're putting the band back together. We don't know. And by the mm-hmm. band, we mean the FF. We'll see. We the don't Fantastic know. Fantastic Fooder. Yeah. But he does uh, Captara, right? Is that... Is that young Zadarsk? Is Cap Tara Chip Zadarsky? I don't think it is. It might be. It might be. It's one of those goofballs. If only we had a way. It's one of those goofballs that like write comics real real dumb. Oh, I'm totally wrong. It is Chip Zadarsky. Chip Zadarsky. Hey. And your boy Kagan McLeod on the art on that piece. Anyway, so that's who Chip Zadarsky yeah. is. Who gives a shit? Dude's kind of a powerhouse at Marvel right now. He has a pretty distinct writing style, uh, especially for his humor that I think has been lacking at Marvel for dude, a little bit. Dude is tremendously funny in a way that most people aren't. He's not just doing jokes. He just yeah. has a wit that kind of underlines everything. Dude is is an excellent writer. Last year I was at C2E2 and I saw him at a, a table signing and someone asked him to take a photo. He said, yeah, sure. He's in like a very nice shirt, a little dress shirt. So St- what are we talking, like a button down? Button down, white, white stark button down. Mm-hmm. Stands up and he has glitter galaxy spanks on underneath and he looks at the dude and he's like pick me up and the dude just lifts him like a child and they took a photo and he was like cool man nice to meet you and I was like that's fucking awesome the that's am- a cool <laughs> the, fucking the dude the amount of photos I've seen with that dude being cradled like a baby <laughs> by people at a convention is ludicrous and he also that's ki- his thing and, he, and he'll kiss people full on the mouth yeah. also <laughs> But so not only do I think he's a great writer and a great fit for Marvel, but this is the kind of shit I'm talking about that I think Marvel needs right now is these kind of, you know, uh, fan outreach, fan favorite writers for a younger generation. Because when I saw that line for Chip Zdarsky, there are a couple older kind of Curtis age dudes, one might say, in that line. But the majority of them were like 20, 30 somethings and they were juiced. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great move. Um for both Sadarsky, maybe it'll give him a little bit more freedom, um, but also for Marvel to try to kind of keep this guy on the roster. Um, but the big question is, is Brian Michael Bendis is leaving? Uh, this has been the big news story lately. He's going to D.C. We've known about it for a little while. Brian Michael Bendis is a stable writer over at, over at Marvel. Almost, kind of, almost two decades. Yeah, two decades. The foundation of the last two decades. And he's doing a lot of – he's the architect of a lot of crossover shit. He's writing a lot of their big books – a huge deal, and it was a it was a pretty big surprising piece of news when we found out he was leaving Marvel. And uh, DC this this week, in one of the books I was reading, Batman. When I opened it up, there was a big two page spread with Superman on it. It just said Bendis is coming. Yeah, and it's like that's fucking intense. So DC's you know putting some marketing behind it, but there's no question that with Bendis leaving, it's going to leave a pretty big hole in Marvel's repertoire. Um, and I think getting these dudes like Chip Sadarsky, kind of people who aren't in the mold of the last two decades of Marvel writing, I think it's a great, great move on their part to try to diversify the writing field a little bit. And probably lock down a few exclusives, you know, because, you know, you, you don't want to see too big of an exodus, you know, uh, you know, folks following Bendis over to young DC, because I'd love to see Hickman and a few others 
uh, jump ship and go over to DC and do something. I would have liked so. to see Chip Zdarsky wind up over at DC. That guy could. Plastic Man is the first first choice in my head, yeah. but Zdarsky would be great on a, a just anything like just to inject some fun over at DC. Like DC's right. got some good books right now, but I don't. The first thing I think of when I think of DC Comics is not fun. It's grim. Do you know what I mean? Grim. Or it's just like serious. It's, yeah, more it's serious. Just like yeah. so yeah. epic and like. That, I think it's just what the doctor ordered over there. Poison Ivy has taken over the whole world. Some DC shit. So, either way, Chip Zdarsky has uh, signed an exclusivity contract with Marvel. All oh, right. Well, we should say he can still do his creator on stuff, so sex criminals will will continue. Is it? When's the last time that book came out? Uh, it's it's slow, but it, it, yeah. you know, it's every two, three months we for get an wh- issue. For a while, that book was the hottest shit. Mm-hmm. And it kind of slowed though. down. Yeah, Still good. In DC News, uh, Action Comics number 1000 is coming out soon. The 18th of April. The 18th of April. To be specific. And uh, interestingly enough, DC is allowing comic shops, DC and Diamond Distribution, are allowing comic shops to do a midnight release for Action Comics number 1000. The last time that I can remember a midnight release being allowed was when Marvel did Star Wars number one. That was a couple years ago. What do you guys think about midnight release? Gimmick or good idea? It's been a minute since we... They've, they've allowed a couple other midnight releases. I feel releases. like... It's like we see the solicitations, mm-hmm. although... I don't remember what the last one was. Right. No, that the, no, now that Marcus says it, I f- that's the last one I remember. Stars. And they, that was like the last one. one that we considered like, should we do that? Right. And then we always are like, no. Nope. I, I don't like, want to do that. I like sleep. Midnight. Yeah. yeah, it's, you know, the thing is though, we called the fucking comic shop Vault of Midnight. <laughs> it really seems like we should be doing these midnight releases, bro. bro. Yeah. But uh, it's here's the thing you got to understand. It's uh, in theme only. There's nothing right, right. It's like the midnight it is, it vibe. It has nothing to do with a clock. I cannot stress this enough. <laughs> exactly. Get your head out of the clock zone because it's it's out of that place. Yeah. Okay? We're too old. We're too old. Midnight? And we're, <laughs> and we're not doing it. You know how late midnight is? <laughs> if I'm up at midnight, it's a mistake. I've made a mistake. Something's happened. I drank coffee too late. Yeah. I peed the bed, and I'm, now I'm outside, up in a panic. I, yeah, I'm like out in a field with a gun in my underwear. Like, I've made a mistake. But do you worry... That if you don't do it, you lose out on the collector sales a little bit? No. You no. don't worry about that. Well, not this time, because we, Vault of Midnight got smart this time. And we're, we took a bunch, we started a pre-order campaign. So we're just, we're just locking in them sales early. Mm. You know, so we're feeling good, and they're going good. So, yeah, we've done one or two midnight releases over the many years that we've been here, the many thousands of years Vault of Midnight has been a comic book store. And it's, it's, it's okay, but we'll get, you get 12 people. Yeah, like the people are like, I gotta have this shit right now, and I need every variant cover. And you get twelve people, and then you stay up until you know twelve thirty six, and then you shut her down. And that's a like, I don't know. We haven't done one in a really long time. Yeah, maybe, maybe we should do it. Don't shut your face, because like, yeah. it's been a really long time. We're a pretty big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you get like, you know, you make a whole thing out of it. Because that's the thing. There's nothing sadder than a midnight release with 12 people. With crickets. Yeah. It's fucking grim. I used used to work at a major bookstore. And for some reason, this major bookstore would always do, no matter what, would always do a midnight release for any Dan Brown book. Dan Brown, writer of The Da Vinci Code. Okay. And The Da Vinci Code, giant book. Huge deal. His follow-up books... No one really gave a shit. They were like, okay. All right. But man, there was some kind of corporate, they must have signed a contract with Da Vinci Code. For midnight releases. For midnight releases for, <laughs> for the every book. six fucking damn brown books. But you'd be there at midnight, you'd just be like, 
God fucking damn it, I want to go home. And like three people would come in and be like, Woo! what's the mystery now? And he'd be like, well, we're, we're, we have to be here till 1 a.m. And then everyone would go get drunk and everyone would be hung over day two. And day two is when people actually come by that book. Yeah, yeah, because you can wait. Yeah, you yeah. can wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be there. Yeah. Just a bunch of hungover bookstore employees like, why the fuck are you here? Because like on a practical level, if it's a big enough deal, if the comic release is a big enough deal that they're going to have a midnight release for it. Right. Or that you will have heard about a midnight release. <laughs> exactly. Then there, Better, yeah. There are a million of those things out in the world. There are more of that comic than any other comic. And that's the safest time to wait until the next day or the next couple of days. I mean, yeah, and in, in, in our fantasy world, we've got spotlights in valet parking for the release of this book. Sure. And there's a line down the street and there's paparazzi taking photos of all the awesome local business celebrities <laughs> in line to get, <laughs> to get their copy of Action Comics 1000 in all variant covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Red carpet, we'll get those things, what are they called? The trenchions, the the trenchions. Yeah. Oh, the red you know, velvet. Little ropey l- things. Yeah, ropes, you yeah. know? And it's a huge fucking deal. That'd be incredible. Yeah. Where is that world? That's Earth 52B. Maybe we gotta, we, maybe we gotta, you gotta build that world, that's, man. That's what we gotta do. You gotta be the change you wanna see in the world, thank you know? Maybe we gotta do a midnight release. Is that what we're saying right now? For... With, with spotlights and truncheons and red carpets. and <laughs> That would be fucking hilarious yeah. and then if no one showed up. <laughs> Actually, that would be really, really funny. This valet parking people standing out there parking no cars. This valet yeah. parking <laughs> service cost us $4,000. <laughs> what I would like to do next week as we're kind of gearing up for Action Comics number 1,000, is I would like each of us to guesstimate the sales number. It's going to be the number one book for that month, for April, no question. Mm. But I think it'd be fun if we all took a little guessy at the total sales numbers for That's that book. That's going to be tricky because they're doing, how many variants are we talking? 20 variants? 10. 10 variant covers. More yeah. than, not more than 10? It's 10, I swear. I've been looking at these You know, I, I believe you. Unless they've announced more. Okay. Um, but my, it's... They don't always announce uh, combined variant sales. It'll definitely take the top dollar sales. Seven ninety nine books, hundred page book. Mm-hmm. Um, but pre orders are huge. I will say at all three vaults minutes, they're really really strong. People are asking about it in the store. You're looking at the micro. I want to look at the big picture. I, I, oh, I got see, a number I wanna, for you. I want big month end. Yeah, I, I mean it'll easily be six figures easy. Think so. Think so. But um, I did. I wonder how we're going to be able to figure. I so I think that book will do. I predict. Yes. I'll call it. I got a number in my head. I'm going to say half a mil. Bang. I'm going to say 500,000 copies in that ballpark. I, I, I'm right I'm right there. That's, yeah? the, that's the number that comes I'm to I'm going to be ever the pessimist. I'm going to say 400. Okay. I'd be thrilled with 400,000. Yeah. You know, let's be honest. I'd... I'd shit the bed for 250,000. <laughs> no, don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the news. You Wait, got don't shit news? the bed. No, that's, all, that's, it. that's yeah. all the news. Don't shit the bed. Is that it? That's the last piece of news. Don't shit the bed. You guys want to do some big picks? Oh, we probably should. I like it. I love it. I don't like it. I love it. I love it. Hey, Super Skull Heads. Uh, no, Super Skullsies. Hey, Super Skullsies. Uh, this is Marcus, and I just want to pop in and say thank you so much for listening to the episode. Um, if you have it in your heart and you enjoy the episode, it would mean so much if you went to superskullshow.com slash donate uh, for about a buck an episode, five bucks a month. Um, that's what keeps the gears turning, and it would just mean the best to us. I'm going to shut up now, and we're going to get back to the episode. Marcus said it would just mean the best to us. He said that. 
Well, that's the thing that people say. First of all, what's a big pick? What's a big pick, bro, bro? Every week, Marcus, myself, mm-hmm. and Nick read every comic that is released into the world. Sure. In English. And on a good week, that's 250 comics and graphic novels. We read every single one of them. Yeah, there's without hyperbole. <laughs> and we then <laughs> pick our favorite ones. Mm-hmm. And each one of us picks one book that is our... And does anyone say thank you? Not enough. No one one does. Nobody does. It's pathetic. It makes me sick. All of you make me sick. And then we might as well come on the podcast, complain about that, and then say what those favorites were. Here's the favorite book you don't care about and won't thank me about (laughs) that I love the most. You're welcome. Should we give a warning about Curtis's pick? You think a little spoil? A lot of people are very invested in this series. Ooh, can you feel attention mounting? And you can cut the tension with a hammer. You can cut the tension with a hammer. Curtis, what's your big pick? My big pick is The Mighty Thor, number 705. Spoiler warning for yeah. people who are invested in this series. Yep, Thor's a woman. Thor- Watch out. <laughs> yep, you figured you it are, out. You had time to turn out, yep. to tune out. Yeah, Thor's a woman. We're going to say her name right now. Some, some, it's, some, it's Thor. It's Thor. Some big <laughs> shit happens in this issue. And if you're actively reading Thor and you don't want a big spoiler, I would I would skip ahead a little bit and then come back and listen to Curtis's thoughts because yes. they're always great. I think that's fair and that's a good warning. However, the name of this run, if you have been reading Thor, is The Death of Thor. The, the Death you, of but... Mighty Thor. Yes, it is. So, but yes. Okay. Do you skip ahead? Do you turn out? If you don't care about Thor, you knew this was coming. Don't skip ahead. That's stupid. Come on, idiot. Mighty Thor dies in this in this issue. It's awesome. It's sad. It's great, and it made me have real human water come out of my eye holes. Same onto my face. I just had to take a minute at the end of this comic. This. So let's let's go back a little bit uh, and and say that Jason Aaron, who's one of our favorite writers, I think collectively it's safe to say mm-hmm. on his podcast, has been writing Thor since 2012. I, so almost that sounds right. Almost six years, and his run of Thor is. And for my money, and I think for the gentleman sitting in this room with me, some of the best Thor we've ever read. And it has been building and building and building until this this great storyline that we have now, the death of Mighty Thor, which started in issue 700, the big- This this arc. This arc. Started, you know, Marvel's, we talk a lot about this legacy renumbering. They renumbered Thor as one of them. So in 700, they did this giant-sized issue with, like, all these great artists, and they unleashed this new storyline where Malekith, who- You've seen in the Thor movies, and he's been in the Thor comics. He's like a dark elf king, and he wants to destroy everything and blow up Asgard and all this stuff. And this has released this ancient beast called the Mangog, which his is it described as what is it like the the agony and pain of a billion billion souls, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just crazy. Sure. It's some Jack Kirby, crazy Stan Lee shit. This beast that is so possessed. Of, of hatred for the gods that it has to destroy all gods. Mm-hmm. So this thing is unleashed. It's tearing ass. It's destroying Asgardia. It's ripping. He hates gods. Just so much. He hates them. He, he's killing them, and he's crazy looking. He's like He looks like a Jack Kirby, what, like a dinosaur with giant teeth and a thing head. He looks like a Japanese gargoyle. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. That's not what they're called. 
but he he looks like a like a Japanese Omi spirit. He's got like he's got very accentuated features. His mouth is huge. He's got these big fangs, like huge, ridiculous, can't close your mouth fangs. Yeah, and he's he's actually scary as hell. It sounds funny the way we're describing this guy, but it's so he's so relentless and so possessed. That is, it's fucking terrifying. Anybody who stands in front of this monster is getting murdered. But he's like sentient. Like he talks. Totally. Like he knows what he's doing. Absolutely. He hates gods. He and, he and he makes a pretty good, he makes a compelling case. Makes a good argument for it. Like maybe we, I, you should all die. Yeah, fuck these dudes maybe. So um, this thing. That's it, how he talks. <laughs> he does, yeah. Hey. Fuck these dudes maybe. <laughs> um. So uh, this issue here finds us, we've been building up, we know that, that Jane Foster is Thor. So many years ago in this crossover called Original Sin back in 2004. Oh my God, I forgot about Original Sin. Yeah, right? So the, the Watcher gets killed. Yep. Who killed the Watcher? <laughs> exactly. And, and, so, and so whoever killed the Watcher is in possession of his eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And his eyeballs have all the secrets. They just store all the secrets well, that they he's saw, ever watched. They saw everything. <laughs> yeah. Them's, them's his Watchers. It's the Watcher. <laughs> His watchers, his peepers. So at, at some some point towards the end of this series, uh, uh, Nick Fury finds out this secret about Thor, and he whispers the secret into Thor's ear. Because Nick Fury killed the Watcher. Yes. And he's running amok, and everybody's trying to get Nick Fury. And Nick Fury is one of his secret because Nick Fury's seen some shit, too. And now he's got the Watcher's eyeball, so he's seen a lot of shit. And he whispers in order to incapacitate Thor and take him off the board. Yes. He whispers something into Thor's ear. We know not what to this day. We do know. Where? To this day. We do know? We do. When did we find out? Uh, Not too long ago. You know, they let let it go for a really long time. Like years. Yes. But uh, a year and a half or so ago, we found out that he whispered into his ear, Gore was right. Now, Gore is the God Butcher who is another being that was hell-bent on destroying all gods. That is another part, and we'll, I'll spare you the details because you should just read this run of Jason Aaron's Thor. Start at the beginning and read it all. But he's this other god who wanted to take out all the gods. Butcher gods. And not just the Asgardians. Every god across every dimension, every pantheon, every realm that's ever been, all gods are bullshit. So and- to hear that Gore was right... Like, basically freaked Thor out so much. He started to maybe agree with him. Like, he started to think about yeah. the crimes that the gods had committed and, and things that maybe he's done that he's not proud of, and it just made him unworthy to wield. It, it shook him. Mjolnir. And he dropped his hammer and left it on the fucking moon. Yeah. Where Jane Foster went and picked it up. Yes. Now, here's where this series gets really, really intense and broke my heart throughout this run. Jane Foster has cancer. Mm-hmm. And she is dying. Every time she picks up the hammer and becomes Thor, it does this weird magical thing where it it negates the effect of all the medicine and chemotherapy that she's undergoing. It essentially, so she, it's essentially making her closer to death. But so she's, she's saving the cosmos. Yes. Time and time again, she's just beating up all the bad guys. She's flying around the universe. She's doing it. She's fucking awesome at being Thor. She's fucking great and she can't stop she wants to take care of herself but every time she you know goes in to get treatment some horrible fucking thing happens she's got to pick up the hammer she's too good she mm-hmm. can't let it ride she picks up the hammer and goes and saves the day so it's killing her mortal form every time she puts down the hammer she goes back to a very very sick jane foster yes and the cancer's catching up with her and we found out recently that the next time she picks up that hammer that's it yeah that's it that the, the, the cancer has advanced to the point that we can't do this anymore 
No more, no more Thor, or else that's it for Jane Foster. And yet, she does it anyway. This Mangog, he can't be stopped. There's only one person who can do it, and that's the mighty Thor. Mm-hmm. So, bam, she picks up the hammer, and this issue right here, I mean, I think you know what happens. There's a giant battle. Somebody dies at the end. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking great comic. This is one of Marvel's absolute best books. We talk about Marvel's, they're floundering, they're having some troubles here or there. This book has been good for five years. Can I talk about a problem in comic books? Please. Mm. She has cancer, right? And But when she picks up the hammer, the chemo doesn't work. If you're about to quibble with like the mechanics of like her cancer and her being Thor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to splash my coffee uh, on it's, you. It's not so much that as like... Mr. Fantastic, Moon Girl, Doctor Strange. Oh, sure. She, you know, she can the go to- The smartest people in the yeah. cosmos who Fucking cre- doing it. Who've... Get your fucking jacket on. Who've... Put your rain jacket on. I'm splashing it, you idiot. <laughs> who created multiple realities. Can't figure out how to get rid of her cancer. Like Because anytime, because it all would require medicine. And anytime she picks up the Thor, it gets rid of the medicine. Yeah. Also, shut up. <laughs> fucking comic books it seems like there's a solution out there with all of these people oh, Curtis what else do you like about this book Arg- I- argue me <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to keep going I love the artist Russell Dowderman he's fucking awesome yeah I love the way this is a throwback to everything that Thor just encapsulates encapsulates the whole history of the character I mean this thing's got you know Thor's goats his magical goats like tooth Ganasher and hanging out with this hound of hell, Hellhound. That's cr- crazy funny, you know. Thory, <laughs> he's super Thory. No, I think his name is Thory. Oh, his name is Thory. You're yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, named, man. Named by Loki. It's got Beta Ray Bill. You remember that scene when Galactus gets the sword of the God Butcher, yeah. the Necro Sword, and he goes like crazy black. He was Galactus, Dark Galactus. Holy fuck, it's so cool. There's a million moments like that over this run that are the most cosmic awesome shit in any comic that you've ever read. It's just too good. And that's uh, and that's the end of my review. Read Thor right now. Don't wait. Start at 700 if you're like, I'm too scared to read the whole thing. Start at issue 700. They're available. I think you could start at 700. I, I think, think that's yeah. a legitimate recommendo. Yeah, uh, yeah you should and want to read the whole thing, but you could just jump in at 700. Agreed. Yeah. I was out of Thor for a while. I had not, and I, and I picked it back up there, and fuck, it's just been... It's just killed me. I legitimately, no kidding, was crying real, real tears and, and by the time this comic was finished. No, Don't, you, what are you shaking your head at? I can't believe you would cry at a comic book, you child. <laughs> I just can't, I can't believe you, you child. <laughs> I, can't, you didn't, I know you didn't read it because you'd be crying right That's now. Right. No, it wasn't in my pile. I feel, I feel taken from. <laughs> we could have all cried together. It's what I've always wanted my entire life. <laughs> this is Mighty Thor 705. Marvel Comics. Yeah. Do it. That's my big pick. Marcus, what comic about uh, high school did you pick this week? Uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry. What comic book about uh, a fantasy sci-fi outsider becoming a hero did you pick this week? Funny you should ask, Nicholas. I picked a book called Lucy Dreaming from Boom Studios. Yeah. Lucy is a young girl who uh, doesn't really fit in. She prefers the escapism Mm -hmm. of fantasy and science fiction. Yeah, how old is she? Uh, she's like early high school. Yeah, okay. I think she's a freshman, kind mm-hmm. of somewhere in there. She just can't really fit in. She loves reading. Yeah, she yeah, she just likes to read, and maybe people don't understand her. She's also very, very arrogant. Like, mm-hmm. the character has some flaws. Yeah, she's a teenager. Yeah, teenager. she thinks yeah. she's better than everyone else, and that she's the smartest person in the room, and they mm-hmm. don't really get her. Um, but 
it's, she also understands, and this is what I thought was really cool about this book, because it would have been very easy to write a character who's just like, well, I'm fucking smarter than everyone, and no one else really understands what I get, and so I'm just the greatest. But what's cool about Lucy is she sees particularly other girls excelling at things like sports or mathematics, and she's like, you know what, that is actually pretty badass. Like, I I picture myself as kind of this war- fantasy warrior queen, but I don't have the ability to be really great at volleyball, and you do, and I think that's pretty cool. Um, and so she, she does look at other people and see their kind of the positivity of their characteristics. Um, but Lucy really feels like she's not living up to her potential. She thinks that she is destined for greater things. And if only she could be in one of these universes, she could really shine. That she reads about. That she reads about. She could really shine as the star. And she is nerdy. Ooh, she's so nerdy. She, she, she's not reading little fantasy books. She is reading big ass Lord of the Rings size, deep, uh, fantasy books. The book she's reading in the, at the beginning of this is Reina and the Scarlet Menagerie <laughs> about this lady that just murders monsters. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of the, if she was, it seems like she's reading kind of the Red Sonia-esque kind of big fantasy brutal yeah, Conan. Definitely like an R-rated type, yeah, yeah not a kid's, no. not a YA fantasy book. She has no interest in that. But lo and behold, she goes to bed one night and uh, starts what she thinks is dreaming about being in this Star Wars-esque universe um, where she kind of plays the role of a less timid Princess Leia, you know, running around and shooting blasters, and there's a Han Solo kind of cocky jock, space jock character. Um, cocky jock. Cocky jock. Mm-hmm. But the book takes an interesting twist at the end. Maybe she... I just appreciate that you just named the episode. Thank that, you. Think, that's, all, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Maybe she's not the only person in her family who has been able to kind of dream themselves into this universe. Maybe there are other people from different families who have been able to do it. And what I thought was really great is the end of this book kind of twists the lines of what you think is happening and what is good and what is bad and why are people acting certain ways. This is a great, really, really good book. Um, I recommend it for anyone. I think you'd have to be kind of early teens uh, maybe to get kind of the her attitude and what's going on. Um, but man... Boom Studios. This Lucy Dreaming book uh, is just amazing. It's written by Max Bendis. Bemis. Uh, Bemis. Thank you. Uh, he was the lead singer of the band Say Anything, who I know nothing about at all. Um, but he's also written... Uh, movie- based off the board game? They based a band off a board game? It's off the movie. They based a movie off that board game, too? They did. They did. <laughs> Damn. But he's also written uh, Oh, Kill Strike. Which is one of Nick's. Uh, I like that book. Gems. That's a hilarious yeah. book. Yeah, he uh, and he wrote maybe one of my favorite X Men runs ever called X Men Worst X Men Ever, um, which was a book that I was just obsessed with. Well, that's out. that's the dude whose mutant powers that he can explode himself. Yeah, it's like one time use. <laughs> one time use. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and it also worked on on Moon Knight. And the art's done by Michael Dialinis. Uh, I apologize for how I pronounce that. Um, but, uh, let me take care of that for you, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on a second there. Yeah. Uh, uh, ooh. Yeah, I don't know. Dialinus. Dialinus. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but he was the illustrator for The Woods, which is a beautiful book, and also did a short stint on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But if you're interested in fantasy or sci-fi, uh, if you have a young person who is kind of trying to get into comics, who maybe is 
grown past, you know, younger all ages books. I think this is an excellent, excellent book. It's got some really interesting family dynamics that I think are only going to grow as the series goes on. And um, the creative team for this book has proven that they can do a really good kind of longer arc story. So that is Lucy Dreaming by Boom Studios. Marcus, I'm going to back you up. I, I loved this book. Did you have a chance to read this, Nick? Mm-hmm. Man, I love there, – there's some – so this character is really self-aware – and uh, there's this great, I mean, all these great blurbs, but she says, Dear fake blog, I will never publish online because I judge bloggers and I am too pretentious to call it a diary. She talks like this the whole book. And I, I Max Bemis has got, he's also a funny guy. He's in that Chip Zdarsky zone where he does funny, but but not just ba-dum-bum-psh. Yeah. There's this underlying humor in this whole book that I thought was really, really good. The sidekick to the, you know, jockey... Cocky Jock? Cocky Jockey. The Cocky Jock. Guy. He's like a like a shitty... Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Yeah, he's really bad. It's fucking hilarious. Also, they like, they go, they're doing the kind of the corridor, that famous Star Wars corridor scene where they're all shooting lasers and there's yeah, like yeah. stormtroopers, but they'll shoot a stormtrooper and like for the next couple panels, that stormtrooper will be like, I'm, I'm bleeding everywhere. <laughs> the smell of copper is just so overwhelming. I'll and, never like, see my wife and kids <laughs> again. Exactly. It's funny shit, man. Yeah. Lucy dreaming. Great shit. Can I vote that Shitty Chewbacca is the name of the episode this week? <laughs> shitty Chewbacca? Well, it's not bad. It's not bad. I think that uh, we will we'll get a letter about that one. Probably. We'll get a, a COD. Disney knows one. what's up. Yeah. Nicholas, what was your big pick for the day? We really are. We're playing true to type this week, aren't we? We certainly are. You with your high school fantasy Curtis book. with a book that's not a, all a good starting place whatsoever. About a the superhero. last issue I picked. A last issue. And then I picked a pretentious graphic novel Yay. from Fantagraphics. Oh, and it's uh, an Italian graphic novelist, <laughs> by the way. He's won an angle, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is called The Interview by Manuel Fiore. This is the story of a psychologist named Raniero. Raniero. And that's all we know. We never Raniero. We never hear any first or last. Is that his, he's a one-name guy? He's like Prince? I think so. We don't know? I think so. Okay. So he's a psychologist. He lives in Italy. His whole life has kind of fallen apart. His marriage has fallen apart. Just got in a car accident. It's not, things are not going great for homeboy. It's also 2048, the year's 2048. There's this movement called the New Convention, and it's just like the hot shit. The New Convention is like sweeping across the next generation of people all over the world, right? So, wait, 2048, what years are right now? 2018? Mm-hmm. So, 2018 is 30 years from now. Yeah, so like, Ron, this dude is, is us, Marcus. Yeah. And then this mm. is the next generation of people is or, or who is kind of accepting this what, what's called the new convention who is just being born now and i already hate yes is that bad they're just being born now yeah. exactly yeah, yeah or they have maybe they even haven't quite been born yet. right so this idea of this movement is the, and, and i don't know where curtis is at this point by the way i know that you and i are we, we the, visit his guy. grave yeah once a year i mean Gumby bears and whiskey. And, uh, you know, we pour one out for a fallen soldier. 2048? No, I'll still be alive. I got 45 years left. Fuck you guys. <laughs> we'll wheel him around. Yeah, no, no, he's being wheeled. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's there. He's not, you know, he's not there there. Yeah, but he's yeah. like, physically, he's present. <laughs> so, uh, so the new convention, the idea is that it's all focused on, like, free love 
and all these new ideas about like sex and coupling and relationships. It's very, very open. Yeah, so you can just have multiple partners in, in orgies and... Yeah. Yes. And it's not quite, it's not as simple as that. I, it, there seems to be a little bit more to it. But the idea is that like, it's not just people that are polyamorous or whatever. It's that like, this is how, this is more natural for the way that the world works now. And this is the future. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't look at gender the same way. It doesn't look at, you know, what sex means in the same way. And there's a little bit of tension, you know, he's the Raniero is not really on board. He's not, you know, he's not an adherent necessarily, but he's a psychologist and he has to talk to a lot of patients who are members of this new convention. Yeah, it seems like he's almost he's in that stage of his life, uh, which I really love. They portray it so well in this book where he's he's not against this new movement, but he's almost like sleepwalking. Yes. At this point in his life. His marriage is falling apart, but he's not overly emotional about it. Correct. He gets in a car crash and like some weird things are happening, but he's not flipping out. He's just kind of just ho-hum. Just, just kind of in a daze. Going through it. Yeah. It's kind know? of like the definition of a midlife crisis. Right. Like he, yeah. he is just not quite sure. He's a little bit adrift. The world is changing. He's not crazy about his friends. His, his marriage is falling apart. He's not taking any steps to really do anything about and it. And if he does take a step, it's like a little action that I think he feels has big meaning. Yeah. Like there's a point where he puts his hand on his wife's leg. Just kind of as like a comforting, I think, movement because they're shopping around for an apartment for her. Yeah, so she can and, move out. Yeah, and she's like, what are you doing? And it's like, you know, the action there is I want to comfort you. I want to give affection to you because I still care about you. But he's so kind of mentally zombified at this point that all he can really seem to do or all he cares to do, I, it's hard to kind of draw that line at where he's at. Yeah. Is just reach out and like touch your leg. So I think that like before we go any for this is not the premise of this book, but like no. just that enough. Like I am so attached to this dude, like twenty mm -hmm. pages into the book. Like I just I, I I'm he's so realized and he's so interesting and like I just I buy him as a character. I'm like totally in to this world that they've created. And they they do a lot of heavy lifting without a lot of words and it's and, very, very subtle. Yes. It's super, super deft. The mm -hmm. art is awesome. Uh, it's uh it made me well. Anyway, we'll get there. But that in in and of itself, just as like a character study, is cool enough. And then what it turns out, he gets this new patient. Her name is like Dara or Dora, I think. Right. Yes. And uh, she claims to be able to communicate with aliens, which you know, psychologist in a psych ward, like you know, maybe par for the course. Except he is pretty sure that he is also being communicated with by aliens. And he completely knows what she's talking about. And this new patient is, I don't know if I said, is a member of this new convention. Yeah. And that is kind of the jump off for the rest of the book. So this was originally published in 2013. I think it was an Italian first. He's an Italian graphic novelist, although a lot of his stuff is released internationally and in France before it goes anywhere else. It's available in English for the first time now, uh, as of today, as of this recording. So this author won the 2010 Engelmay Prize. For this book, 5,000 kilometers per second. Which is available in English, and I've seen it, but now I've got to go back and read it. I've never, I've, Man, I, it's out I of print it. right now. Oh, stupid. It's been out of print for a minute, but it was a huge deal when it released, and this was a few years ago. Um, we're going to link in the show notes to this interview he did with the Comics Journal. I don't know if, did you guys get a chance to look at this? I didn't. At all? 
It's really, really good. Um, there's this kind of like, especially this like last little wrap up question. This dude is, I think, in his early 40s at this point, and he's won a lot of awards, and he's really well respected in like the comic scene and the international comic scene. And the comics journal guy does the the thing that you do as you start to wind up, and he's like, start, you know, he's like kind of blowing smoke up this guy's butt a little bit and telling him how great he is. And he has this really amazing sense of himself and like talking about how he doesn't think that he's old enough to have developed anything really special in cartooning and that he'll see in the future if maybe he leaves a trace on the earth or not. Like, Whoa. he just has a really cool sense of his art that I thought was kind of neat and made the interview worth reading. This dude's like your spirit animal. You're so... I like him a lot. As I was reading this book... Yeah. So, first of all, I really liked it, and I'll get into some of the stuff I liked in a second, but I had a hard time concentrating mm-hmm. on this book because as I was reading it, I was like... I've never read a more Nick-ass comic book <laughs> in my entire life. And I'm reading those like, Nick digs that shit, flip, Nick digs that shit. I had a hard time concentrating because I've never, I've read books before and been like, oh, this is definitely going to be Nick's big pick. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just have a sense for your what a majority of your taste is. Sure. But as I was reading this book, I had a fucking hard time concentrating because I was just overwhelmed with this sense of like, I don't know if I've ever read a comic that is more fucking Nick Wybar <laughs> than this particular Why? book. It's just, it's... <sighs> Tell me in a way that will also explain this book a little bit. It's incredibly, I mean, it's an incredibly self-aware book, mm-hmm. first of all. And second of all... When I read a book that I can usually tell is, is – there's no handing you the thing. You don't enjoy it when the artist or the illustrator just hands you the, the main premise. you got to work for it a little bit. This dude is fully fleshed out, but you're forced to think about in your head like – where does this dude draw lines? Mm-hmm. This is what I thought about the entire time I read this book. It's like, where where is this dude's limit? And yes. On either end of the spectrum of, I don't give a shit, and I'm very interested in this. He lives in the middle, mm-hmm. and it's just, you have to fucking work at and it. And never says where, and just to bring it back to like Lucy Dreaming a little bit. So, and this was the problem that I have with Lucy Dreaming, mm. is it does the opposite of that. It, it feeds like, it to you a little bit. It feeds it to you 100%. You get a full page of dialogue from her blog where she literally tells you everything about herself, right. why, why she feels the way she does, what her motivations are, and how she looks at the world. Totally. Right? Yep. And that's, like, fun in di- for different reasons and, like, when you're trying to do a different thing with the book. Right. But, like, this dude, this guy is, like, deeply ashamed of, like, himself and where his life is at. And I, I think, and you, he never says anything close to those words. Well, and, and there's a lot of moments where, like Marcus says, you don't know which way he's going. When, when Dora says she's being talked to by aliens, even though he's had an experience, you can tell without him saying it, the way it's drawn, the way it, it yep. comes together on the page, that he, you can see that he's like, oh shit, maybe that happened to me, but he's not comfortable fully admitting it yet. He doesn't immediately say, me too. No, totally. You know, it, it takes a while for him to reconcile that, oh shit, wait a minute. And it's it's really, really cool because you can kind of see the gears turning in his head somehow. I don't know. I mean, you can't really, but this comic is so well built. It does stuff like that. I could see him. But that, I agree with you, Marcus. It is it's what I liked the most about it. And it might be what I, what I like the most about any piece of fiction totally. or art is the degree to which it makes you work for it and the degree to which that pays off. Can I tell you else what, what else you liked about this book? Oh, please. Um, so This is great. <laughs> this book is set in an interesting time period. Like It very well could have been just put in the future. 
Mm-hmm. And it is in the future, but it's kind of the future. Right. Because it's only 30 years. So there's some shit that's really kind of sci-fi, but it's never laser guns and spaceships. Yeah. It's, oh, I don't really like this painting anymore. Can you change that painting? Boop, boop, boop. Okay, now it looks like something different. Mm-hmm. Oh, I still have the ability to physically drive a car. Well, I got into a car crash. Why don't you buy a self-driving car? They exist, and they're very, very normal. Right. It's it's future, but it's not future. It's it's, it's turned up one degree. It's turned future. up just one degree, and that's some Nick Wybar shit if I've ever read it. <laughs> well, and it, right because like you got to be you got to have the past, the present, and have just an inkling of what there is to be in the future, and it's not fed to you at all. You got to look at what the artist no, is they, doing, they and it's sh- not. They show it to you. They don't tell you about that right. stuff. It's just there, and that's not within the book. Which I love. This is a sci-fi book on paper. Like it, it is. It's sci-fi, mm-hmm. sort of. But that is not what the book's about. Mm-hmm. It is not a book about like gadgets and alien wars and you know that shit is awesome. But that's not what this book is about. This book is about this dude. It is like deeply, deeply about this guy and what he's going through. Man, yeah, it just knocked me out. I read as much as I could of it and then put it in Marcus's hands. Because I was like, I'm going to pick this, and I and I if we can't talk about it, then uh, it's I we have to be able to talk about this, and I just like shoved it at him basically. I want to go read everything else by this author as soon as I possibly can. Agreed. This is really really dynamite. Yeah, I, the subtle storytelling that it it's not you know some things people might might think they're like too nebulous, like you can't figure it out. I think this book does everything that we're talking about effortlessly. Mm-hmm. All these emotions, all the journey of the lead character, it you just read it and it all makes sense. You don't it doesn't tell you things through dialogue, but you don't struggle to decipher this book. It's No, and it's I think really well for put as together. much as you can you can make a lot of assumptions based on like what we're describing in this book and if you were to flip through it, I don't think it's a pretentious book. I really don't think mm-hmm. it is. I think it 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 takes itself, you know, seriously and I think it takes it it, it takes what it's trying to like put across seriously, but it's not it's readable. It's attainable, and you don't. You have to work a little bit, but it's not impenetrable. I guess is what I'm saying. Well, we haven't even talked about how amazing the art is, because the art is absolutely breathtaking. It is. It is. Um, it's hard. I had a hard time describing it. Yeah, I am also having a hard time kind of comparing it to anything. It's uh, definitely very realist at points. Um, there's definitely like moments where it'll be just like dead on on someone's face and you're like, oh, that I know that dude. I've right. seen that face before. Um, and then there's other things. The architecture is all also is really precise. Yes. Yeah, which is doesn't necessarily match some, some of the other stuff, which is a little bit more cartoony, ish, yeah, yeah. Um, a little more character ish. Uh, I guess dude wasn't oh, studied architecture at one point. Mm. No wonder I like his book. Yeah, exactly. I, I like the way that this book does. Uh, f- uh, it's a like you say, it's a sci-fi book because this is essentially first contact is also like a major thing that happens in this yes. book. Like hum- humanity meets an alien species for the first time ever. Yeah, and that's not really that's one piece. It's a of piece a book, of the yeah, exactly. you know, and and not the biggest piece. That is so. not, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's not the what the book's about. Yeah, for sure. And there's also like the the book opens up as he's getting into this car accident. It opens up with him talking to his buddy, who's like a surgeon or something. He's on the phone with him while Renero's driving and Homeboy's on the phone. And the guy is telling him about how he's like, you know, cheating on his wife, basically. Like he's talking to him about like this affair. But these are like both old guys that completely have no use for this new convention which would make But in different ways too. In different ways, yeah. but it, but which would make his problem obsolete. 
ostensibly like right. right he wants the convention that allows him to like betray and lie to his wife because that's what he's more comfortable with rather than this new thing which would allow him to have sex with whoever he wants which is clearly what he wants and i thought that was a really interesting way to frame it like right. this old school old dudes old white dudes talking and then we learn about like how the world is changing like after the fact no in, in that conversation you learn too that these guys have probably been friends their whole lives mm-hmm. and they're at a crankier stage of their friendship due totally. to 30 years of being a pal. The one guy, Albert, who's talking to him over the car phone is just always, the whole book, just screaming at him. Yep. Just his opinion is just like, blah, rah, rah, in his face, you know, and the lead character's just kind of taking it. You can tell that they're still pals and they've been pals for many, many years, yeah. but... It's like, man, maybe I'm not in the fucking mood for this right now. Right. Albert. Anyway, I highly it's recommend. Highly recommend. The Interview. Manuel Fiora, that's Fantagraphics Books. The big picks for the week. We got... Mighty Thor, Marvel Comics, Lucy Dreaming from Boom, and uh, the interview I already said. I love how Nick compared uh, Boom Studios' All Ages adventure book to the interview. Oh, that's not All Ages. That's not All Ages, bruh, bruh. You don't think? Nah, 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 nah. It's like a YA. I don't even know if it's a YA. You think it's a YA? Yeah, I think teenager. Okay. Mm -hmm. For sure. I'm a bad person. I'd give that to a 13-year-old. You totally would. You totally would do that. I'd so. give it to a thirteen-year-old. Um, it had some violence in it. That dude gets like his fucking head blown off, and like yeah, but like thirteen-year-olds today in the world we live in, yeah, it's alien blood, Nick. Yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah. who Fair gives enough. a shit? They're can't playing ar- Call of Duty. Can't argue with alien blood. <laughs> the kids are playing Call of Duty. Shall we do uh, answer some listener questions? I are you guys into that? I love listener questions more than anything. I really do too. It's a good time. I say, why the hell not? If we got 100 listener questions a day, my life would be a dream. We could use some listener questions. We're going to empty the bag a little bit, and it's going to be a little bit empty. We need some more. You can send them to superskull at vaultofmidnight.com if it so pleases you. Superskull at vaultofmidnight.com. Let us know that you have a question for the podcast. We'll probably answer it. Odds are good. But the goods are odd. But the odds are good. Bang. Shall we? Shall we? sense i don't know why i repeated you i marcus will now be acting actoring mm-hmm. as robert okay and scene i have some questions about manga you've said on the show that scanners have really hurt the manga market in the u.s first what is the current size of the manga market in the u.s compared to marvel or dc and is this a significant portion of the world market second If the publishers know that they have a product that is of significantly reduced value internationally due to the distribution time, why don't they plan that into the distribution schedule? For example, they could hold the manga until they get it translated and run the prints back to back. That way the international edition would be out a month or two after the Japanese release. Robert, excellent questions. Thank you, Robert. I reject the premise of the question. Robert, <laughs> I watch a lot of West Wing, and so I like <laughs> I like rejecting the premise of the question. And furthermore, and furthermore, so all right, let's get let's get real. Can we talk some stats? We'll talk some numbers. I learned some things about manga in the book channel. The book channel being bookstores, not comic book stores. The mass market. Yes. Your BNNs. Yes. Hey, let me preface this a little bit. Okay. These numbers are hard to come by. 
there's not very reliable or good numbers, even from sources that we really like, mm -hmm. don't always print out this kind of like what should be really accessible info. Uh, like uh, with just broad statements about like how big is a market worth over the course of a year. It also takes a long time to know what the previous year's numbers were. So all the info I'm given here is the best I could find. It's probably hard when you have multiple distributors who aren't a monopoly. Right. Precisely. You know what I mean? Makes, there you it, go. makes it a little bit tougher. Also, as we're going to learn, it's very small and it's maybe not worth anyone's time to try and figure it out. Shit. Is the other thing that I learned. So, in the book channel, which is bookstores, not comic book stores, your uh, your your books a million, your Borders, R.I.P. Your other closed bookstores for the joke effect, Barnes and Nobles, uh, your toys are <laughs> your toys are us's. In the book channel, Viz was the largest publisher in the industry uh, for graphic novels. Period. Beat out all the other comic book publishers. DC, 23% beat Marvel. Now that's, again, graphic novels in the book channel. That's not the case at comic book stores, but that's the case in the book channel. 23% market share. The American comic book industry hit a value of a billion dollars in 2015 and 2016. Really, 2015. That was the high watermark for comic books. That was when the industry... Hit its highest point, right? Yep. Manga that year in 2015 represented $85 million of the entire market. That is a, a bunch, but as you'll probably point out, very tiny compared to other places. It's very tiny. The whole market is $85 million, and it's uh, so that's a pretty small percentage of the pie to begin with. I'm very surprised at that number. Less than 10%. Yeah, it's 8.5% OBS. Uh, and the numbers are not super accessible for 2016, and we won't know until the middle of the year what the numbers are for 2017. Um, so, yeah, comics in Japan, that's a $3 billion industry, and it's primarily manga of what we call manga. Three billion, here. so three times the entire size of the North American market. Yes. Shit. Versus $85 million. So that means that the U.S. represents 2.83% of the manga market on its best year ever, on the best year manga ever had. 2.83%. So the answer to the second question is to like, why don't they hold back the timing of release stuff so that they can like release it all at the same time? There's no point. It's it's nowhere near big enough to justify adjusting release schedules. It's crazy that it's probably like three dudes in a back corner office that has no windows and they're like in charge of U.S. distribution because it's of localization, it's three yeah. percent. Like you don't allocate resources towards three percent. It's eighty-five million, and it's easy for, for for manga fans in the United States to think that it's the biggest shit in the world because the culture is huge. Yeah. Yes, the culture is huge and getting bigger all the time. And if you're into it, probably a bunch of your friends are into it. it. Probably seems like most of the world is like getting more and more into manga. That is a very small amount of money for a, like a medium of entertainment. Eighty-five million dollars in the big scheme of things annually. Yeah. yeah. The other thing is that scans hurt manga everywhere, not just in the U.S. It actually is a much bigger problem in Japan. Uh, so we've implied that it hurts the market in the U.S., and it does, but that is not to say that it is not more hurtful everywhere else. Do you guys remember that thing where they like busted up a scanning operation? We talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, it's awesome. They busted a scamming, uh, like a, in a sting a few years ago, and it was like huge news in well, Japan. It was like an office building full of like this huge operation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, so it's it's not just uh, a U.S. thing. It's not just affecting the U.S. market. I think the hunger for material for like comic books in Japan is so massive that it outweighs any other considerations, uh, including 
like scanning risks or translation delays, I think you just like you have to keep putting out comic books if you want to satisfy like the demand for it in Japan. And that's more important than like making sure that the U.S. gets their shit at the same time that Japan does. Oh man, what's the Shonen Jump? That's a that's a weekly in Japan, yeah, and it's six hundred pages. Can I? So six hundred page weekly comic book. Can I make a confession? Yeah. So when before Silver Spoon, which is one of my favorite mangas and was a big pick of mine a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. was available in the U.S. in English, I went to look for it online to see if I could find a scan because I had a theory that it was accessible by scan. So Mm -hmm. I did some independent research. I found that manga translated and scanned in French, in German, Mm -hmm. in Spanish, um, but not in Portuguese, but not in English. Mm -hmm. So it makes me wonder, like, is the market in some of these other countries? It seemed like South America actually had a pretty big market. I think that there's more research to be done into percentages for manga across the world. But at 3%, the U.S. cannot expect a lot. I will also say anecdotally I've searched for manga just in Google. Just type in the name of a manga and the scan. Oh, Google.com. Yeah. And and the, the scanlation will a scanlation site will come up first or second in that search. Oh, so you're you're looking for information about a manga. Yeah, let me go find out about Naruto. Naruto, go. And that will show up before Bam, before go about... buy it here or Yeah. So does that answer the question? I think it does. Do they have a product that's I think we answered the the question and it's just that the distribution schedule is uh it's not worth it's not worth holding up. We think I think it's a it's it's a little bit of a ethnocentric way to look at it to think that like it must well it's so important to us here so why don't they hold back everything else? We're just a drop in the manga bucket. And and you know to be fair, right? I mean, I think you know the point that he's making is we know of some really really awesome manga that's taken, you know, two or three years to get translated. Yes. And that seems a little ridiculous and seems like as a company, the smart move would be to to speed that up some. But depending on the book and depending on right. the, what's the... What, that's true. And and Robert, please, and I'm not saying that Robert is, is being ethnocentric or that like this is not... I think because I've had this thought myself, like I've been waiting for Drops of God to get over here for literally three years now. Yeah. I'm waiting on a fucking volume of Drops of God. I'm super pissed about it. But... No, how many people have to read a book to justify all of the work that goes into translating, printing, publishing, shipping, distribution of that book? Right. We're going to sell 16,000 copies yeah. on our best day. Because that 85 yeah. million, how much of that do you think is Naruto? Like all of it. Oh, like a, or in Dragon Ball is it's pro- like, it's probably like most of it, right? Dragon Ball, Naruto. Uh, fair, One Piece. One Piece, yeah. Yeah. Like, There's like six titles of manga that I would imagine. Yeah. And this is totally a guess make up at least 80% of all manga. So, sales. for that new book that you're really, really excited about and that you've like heard all this shit about reading on, you know, forums or whatever, like the, it probably is almost no money. There's almost no money in bringing that book over to the United States in the scheme of things, I would imagine. So, anyway, thanks, Robert. That was a really good question. Yeah, I learned us, a lot. Send us more manga questions, Robert. Or whatever you want, Robert. Yeah, you got a free you got a free pass, Robert. Sending us questions. Robert. This is from Christian M. Hi, Christian. Hi. It looks like Fox. This is me, I'm Christian now. <clears throat> this is me. It looks like Fox has hired Brian Michael Bendis for an X-Men movie and Brian Cave on for a Silver Surfer movie. Which I, Christian M, find very exciting. I added the part where he says his name. 
Okay, I'm Christian Nam again. What would your dream comic book movie written by a comic book writer be? What would be your dream comic book movie written by a comic book writer? Thanks for the podcast. You guys continue to be one of the highlights of my week. I included that part. I usually don't read that part, but I made me feel good. Wow. So I Thanks, left it Christian. in there. Thanks, buddy. Uh, let's pre- let's grant the premise that these that a comic book writer would be good at, at writing a movie script. Sure. Let's just say that that is the case because that's not necessarily the case. Let's pretend that's the case. They're okay. good at writing comics. They're good at writing movies. Mm-hmm. What's your what do you think? Uh, I would really like a Gene Yang Teen Titans movie. Dang. I've heard about the they're they're gonna do a Teen Titans TV show or some shit. It's gonna be super dark and super gritty. I would really like Gene Yang to do like a little bit more of a lighthearted, fun, but still Gene Yang does topical very, very well. Uh, topical Teen Titans movie. I think he could put a really fun, interesting twist on a Teen Titans movie that DC desperately needs to lighten up their fucking cinematic universe. I think Gene Yang would be a great, great guy for the job. Mm. Mm. Sounds good. You know I love them Teen Titans, so I'm, I want to see that Teen Titans movie. What do you think, Curtis? So I'm going to go a little bit of a curveball here. I'm mm. going to pick, well, Jonathan Hickman is my favorite current comic book writer besides Jason Aaron. Yeah. So I'm going to say I want John Hickman to do a movie. I would love to see a good Fantastic Four movie. For my comic book comic e movie, it'd be John Hickman on Fantastic Four. Who directs a John Hickman Fantastic Four Holy movie? I'm curveballing shit. I don't, I don't know. Who does it? Mm. Oh. Who is it? It's got to be Spielberg, right? No, go fuck yourself. You don't think? Wow. No. no, that dude could make... Shove it in a, in a sack. Are you out of your... No, tell me why. Tell me why. I just think he'd be a great fit for that. John Hickman writes kind of bigger, but also more character-driven. Fantastic Four is run on Fantastic Four. is mm-hmm. mm-hmm. wonderful. It's my favorite. I think if we could put Steven Spielberg in a time machine for 15, 20 years ago, I think that Steven Spielberg could have done a great Fantastic Four John Hickman movie. Wow. Well, nobody's leaving in mind for a director. I'm sorry. Nick, do you got somebody in mind? I was thinking, I just because it's Jonathan Hickman, I was just thinking somebody weird. Like, who's the dude that did Mother? Darren Aronofsky. I, think, <laughs> I don't know why that was the first thing <laughs> that came John to mind. Hickman. A, do you know what I'm saying? Wow. Because I think, like, John Hickman, Black Monday Murders. Well, see, that that's my next pick. Yeah. As a comic book movie, that's not superheroes. Black, Monday, Black Murders. Monday Murders yeah. by John Hickman which is like this crazy financial murder mystery thriller old gods. Yeah. I just want some John Hickman makes my brain feel weird when he when I want and I want a director that makes my brain feel weird. Right, I could see that. You know Maybe it's Aronofsky on Black Monday murders, mm-hmm. you know? So, cuz right, right, you right, can get right. a little more weirder with that. Nick, what do you got in You the... fucking bit my my top, my my shit, dude. Wait, was I it? I just saw that now. My cre- my the correct answer, my answer, I picked Hiromu Arakawa speaking of uh the Full Metal Alchemist author writer. To do Fantastic Four. Hey, I didn't even read your. Hey, what up? Because because uh, of the family stuff. She's so good at writing family stuff yeah. and like team stuff and like that's the fit. The and that's interesting that we both went to Fantastic Four though because that is I want a good Fantastic Four. Fuck movie. yeah! No, I watched um, Batman versus not Batman versus Superman. What's the other one? Uh, Justice League. Yeah. Over the weekend, and I just hated it so much. I was so mad at it, almost all of it. But I just wanted a good Superman movie. The whole time, there'd be like a couple seconds of Superman. Mm-hmm. Superman's like my Fantastic Four. Those are the same for me. They're so like, I don't know, th- everybody gets them wrong all the time. But when they're right, they're my favorite shit on the planet. Yeah. I want some good FF. And the FF movies have kind of been dookie. No, yeah. they've absolutely been dookie. Yeah. The Superman so. movies, too. Nick, you hate talking about movies and television on this podcast. So I don't often, we all of us, 
We're on, on this podcast, host of the podcast. Anybody has has veto rights. It's a, every, everybody 100% has veto rights. Mm-hmm. Probably you, the most exercised yeah. veto right is is me veto. And you guys, most people don't hear about it because it doesn't make it to the podcast. But I will regularly veto shit about TV, TV and movies. Why? I hate it. I just, you can't, every comic book podcast in the world eventually turns in to a This Week on the CW. Yep. And all of my favorite comic book news sites turned into This Week in Warner Brothers. When I, when I type comic book into comic book news into the old Google box, yep. it's all it's about. It's TV shows and fucking movies, and that's which it. I like, but... I just think that like we're, if we're doing anything here, we're talking about actual comic book shit. You're right. And not TV and movie shit. And we, I ha- and we have this argument... All of the time. Because I want to talk about TV and movie shit. I think it's super relevant. You could veto my veto. I can't veto your veto. That's not how vetoing works. But then you're out of veto for that week. Oh, I can't do it. Because Christian, the reason that I like to talk about TVs and film, for especially in the comic book industry, is I think they're super fucking important to where this industry is going and how people are getting access to this kind of medium well because that because your dream your hope i think is that people go watch a superhero movie and then they'll go to the comic shop yeah and read comic or books. look into it or yeah. fucking wikipedia that character and learn more about him and maybe maybe it plants a seed of oh my god some of these arcs sound really cool or some of this stuff sounds really cool and i think more kids of the of the younger generation I learned about comics from Batman the Animated Series and X-Men the Animated Series. I think there's a whole new generation of kids who are learning about comic books for the first time because of the Avengers movies and the CW TV shows. And I think it's important to look at those as what they're presenting this next generation for the very first time as to what this universe can have. So no doubt that is true. And that's no, why I like talking no about because I think no it's doubt fascinating. That is, that is true. But if they are interested in it, they can literally go anywhere else. Christian, like literally any place on the internet that has the word comic book in it, that's what you, th- that's what the content will be. Yeah, I want to be an oasis. I want us. I, I want the three of us to be a little island in the desert, a little little water hole in the desert. The last three assholes on the planet. Yeah, talking about comic books. Talking about <laughs> paper, paper <comics>. fucking <laughs> comic books. And if you want, and literally anywhere else, then you can find out whatever who's going to be cast in the. What Jason Momoa's underwear looks like when he's oh, fucking Aquaman. Or I do want to know. Yeah. Of course you guys do. Christian, thank you, you so much for the question. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a wonderful question. It's a good question. Good question. Yes. Real, real brown nose there, Marcus. We need more questions. We need more questions. Where do you send them? Somebody tell me. Super Skull Show at vaultofmidnight.com. Gmail? Vault no. of Midnight. Super Skull at Vault of Midnight.com. Yeah, that's it. That's it's not Super Skull Show either. Oh, really? No. Fuck. No, that no. shows you how much welcome, I email myself. Wel- welcome, welcome to the show. <laughs> Super Skull at Vault of Midnight.com. It's a great great web address that should be remembered. <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> worthy of it. And that's actually going to do it for us today, you guys. We're out of time. That was a whole podcast and it's over. That was one podcast. My my podcast, I'm feeling a little parched because my podcast juice just wore off <laughs> just a second ago. Oh, I got to go get some more of that bubblegum flavored vodka. Oh, wait, I, I'm not supposed to say that. You didn't hear that. You just said the fucking flavor of the thing. I did not. Moving on. Ah, oh, Shruthi Pinamanani's going to come and <laughs> fuck you up, dude. No! Oh. 
Our producer and editor is Rachel Polk. Our music was created by A-Bomb. Super Skull is recorded every week at the Ann Arbor District Library. <laughs> Please subscribe, download, and review the Super Skull Show on iTunes, on Stitcher, and Google Play if that would be awesome for we us. We gotta and change it would. the thing. It's not iTunes anymore, bro. We it's, gotta change the thing. It's Apple Apple Casts. Apple Podcasts. A- Apple Pods. Yeah. And if you can find it in your heart to support the podcast, you can go to superskullshow.com slash donate. If you could just give us a dollar an episode, five dollars a month, it makes the whole process go so much smoother and lets us keep doing this. Or or you could pull the chain and you could unleash a waterfall of money on us. Either one we would be absolutely fine with. You'd become our our patron, like our, our Renaissance era patron. And we'll live in your house. That's right. And just and podcast from there and you can just like wit be be witness firsthand to our creativity and genius. We will need a fresco on the ceiling though. So that's another thing I that think we have to paint the fresco. We've got to do the bro. fresco. Okay. Yeah. Well all right. Shit. Shit. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, Super Skull Show, is how you find us. Give us a little taste. What's going to be on Instagram this week, buddy boy? Well, I'm thinking, because we've been talking about juice a lot, we get juiced, go shirtless, wrestle each other, and take some photos. Cool. So no plan? <laughs> no plan. <laughs> All right. Super Skull's brought to you by Vault of Midnight, Earth's finest comic books and stuff and podcasts. Since 1996, my name is Nick Weibar. I'm Marcus Schwimmer. And I'm Curtis Sullivan. We wish you good reading. Until next week. Americano. I don't know what I got. Is it sweet? No, not in any way. I think she forgot to put fucking sugar in my coffee. She might have mistaken you for an adult man and just given you your coffee.